This is Cocktails Distilled, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. When you think of New Zealand, you probably think of extensive green hills and forests full of lush vegetation. But Mark Simmons, one of the three founders of Broken Shed, would also like you to think about the purity that can be achieved in a distilled vodka. Launched in 2009, Broken Shed has brought the future to vodka drinkers around the globe and shown that with a little New Zealand ingenuity, an amazing liquid can be created from only three ingredients, two of which are water. We talked to Simmons about purity of water, whether way really is the way, and how difficult it has been for a New Zealand brand on the global spirits stage. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Pleasure. Thank you. Now, how did two Americans end up drinking in a rustic shed near Lake Wenaka? Yeah, so, um, you know, New Zealand is a, is a pretty common destination for people to holiday in. And uh, the two guys independently, they're known to each other, but independently they travelled to New Zealand on sabbatical with their families and pretty much fell in love with the place and ended up moving here. Uh, and then obviously in a small town, or moving to Wanaka and in a small town, they got to know each other. And basically, yeah, that's just, they were there and they had to reinvent themselves. They were in the place they wanted to live in. They needed to reinvent themselves. And they thought about what, what they could do uh, on the next stage of their journey. Now, the important question, I think, would be, what were they drinking? <laughs> well, they were Americans, so I think the vodka was right up there. Uh, and it really was about that. They did look at what they could do. They thought New Zealand was a great brand and they could do something with New Zealand. And so they looked at many different products. But basically, you know, I met them sitting around Apres Ski and uh, drinking vodka. And then it was like, well, why are we drinking imported vodka? So, you know, from that very, very small beginning, that was the versioning of the whole idea. I was about to ask, how did you get involved? So I had met them um, a little bit socially and they had the idea. They started, uh, you know, after that sort of discussion and meeting, they started thinking about vodka and I have a background in the industry. So they did a bit of research, a bit of background, started developing ideas and thoughts. And then uh, basically they tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is what they're thinking and uh, what I'd be interested in. So uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's where it came from. Crazy idea. But, you know, they had thought about it. They had formed some good ideas. And also, you know, they had a very clear idea that uh, that they wanted to take a good product back to the U.S. And that's what got my attention. Because New Zealand's very small. You, you won't make, you know, a lot of money selling a product like that just in New Zealand solely. But they had the eye on the U.S. market. And it seemed like too good an opportunity to make. Now, you have 30 years in the industry. Had either of them been in the spirits or hospitality industry before? No, they hadn't. They haven't. They both had successful careers in, in different areas. 
So, you know, they knew mechanics of business and, and what it was about and they knew, you know, how to get things right to run an operation like that. But, yes, I was the only one that had beverage experience. So, you know, it's kind of a good blend in some ways because I often do think that uh, a good space to come from is having kind of, the, you know, with a new product, having the naivety and drive to make something work as opposed to, you know, sometimes in, a, in an industry, in a certain narrow form of an industry, you can get a little bit blind to opportunity. You can just think, well, this is how you do it and you follow the, the same old, same old. So I think that the coming together was actually a good sort of creative space because uh, we just approach things with, with that naivety and it's like, why not? Why can't you yeah. do it? So we challenged a few things. What was it about vodka? that made them decide to go with that particular spirit because they could have they could have done whiskey, they could have done gin. What was it about vodka? You do have to say that part of the attraction is the fact that, you know, there's no ageing, there's no, you know, it, it's a product that has a reasonably quick time from, you know, start of production to into the market. But on top of that was just the whole the whole driver that the US is a big market for vodka. You know, it's no matter what other spirits grow and and become popular over time, behind it all, vodka does that continual seven to eight percent growth every year, year on year. And the fact that there was enough point of difference because they'd never heard of a uh, New Zealand vodka, uh, and they saw the strength in that. So it seemed to give them enough space. So even though it's a crowded market, it seemed to have enough point of difference. Now, you've talked about the product going into the U.S. How has the response to the it's U.S. Been actually it's been great? It's been great. It's, you know, look, it, it's, a, it's a crazy market to get into. I mean, from a Kiwi's point of view, um, you know, one of the first times I went over there, you know, which was basically to sell, it was lighting when I would go into a bar and I would, um, in that bar in a matter of two hours of, nice busy bar and just watching how much vodka was being consumed mm. um, and the size of the bottles behind the bar and how it was being poured and I got ecstatic, I was like wow this is you know, this is a high consumption spirit here, this is great and then on the flip side, you go to a off-premise store yeah. and you look at the row upon row upon row of imported and other vodkas on the market and you go wow, this is hugely crowded this is going to be really hard to break through but we did have good point of difference and we had spent the time to craft a good product. And so we sold basically by cranking the bottle open and letting people taste. And we, we sold and got established simply by getting people to taste and blind taste against their other vodkas, vodkas of choice. And that's how we won people over. The US is renowned for having different liquor laws for every state and different hoops that you need to jump through. How difficult has it been to get across the nation, so to speak? Yeah, look, it it is a challenge. And I think uh, from us, we just didn't concentrate on, you know, didn't even really think about country-wide. It's just take a targeted state, focus on it and do it properly and establish yourselves and then take the next step. So... You know, the the two partners, they were based, you know, both based on the East Coast. And so Connecticut was a, was a home market that we knew, and that's where we went first. 
and basically we would you know you had the three principles of the business pounding the streets with you know vodkas in their satchels walking to every bar and every off-premise and just introducing the product and getting people to taste the product and selling and you know we did that for quite a few months but over that time we started you know getting a little bit of a following getting people to drink it getting people to like it getting the bartender to select and say right i'll take some bottles down and then we had two or three of those in an area we'd go to the nearest off-premise and say look we've got we've got people drinking it in, in your local bars give them a taste sell into them and we worked through you know a good distributor and uh, you know import company that worked closely with us and allowed us just to sell on that matter and that's that's how we got our foot in the door now let's talk a little bit about the vodka itself i believe you spent a year in development tell us about that well so I did have a, you know, a years in, in different beverage from, you know, cider, fruit juices, water, wine, but never spirit. So I was new to it. And part of my rider of, of sort of getting on board and, and having this an idea is that having the undertaking that they would support me to spend the time to develop a premium product. Any product from New Zealand has to be premium. It has to really punch above its weight. Because we're a small country, we're geographically removed from the rest of the world. If we're going to spend the time and the effort to take a product to the rest of the world, it's really got to be a good product. So we ne- I needed that time to look at products, to work it all out. So look, it was a, it was kind of a fun year, but it was very quickly I kind of realised there were two things: is that I could make a product which probably, I don't know, a, a large percentage of the vodka market would do, which is to make a pretty good product that use an additive of some sort, an oil or, you know, a, a softener or a glycerol or something in it, just a little bit, to help smooth the product. And very quickly, tasting a lot of products, I realised that that was done in a lot of vodkas. Yeah. So there was that route, and there was the other route, is to, to persevere and try and produce a product they didn't have any additives in it. And therein was the challenge. And, you know, vodka is in a lot of ways a very simple product, but that's the challenge. And because it's so simple is that you can impart a flavour, not a nice flavour or taste or note to it very, very easily. Yeah. If you talk to people in the industry a lot, one of the hardest products to bottle is water because you can get it wrong very easily. You can impart a flavour or a note to it very, very easily. And vodka is a bit like that. So to do it naturally when you've got so few components to work through is actually a bit of a challenge. So, yeah, for a simple product, it actually took me a year to work out a way a way to do it. And what ended up being the solution? So I started noticing, I mean, we played with all sorts of different bases and sources. So, you know, obviously you can make vodka from grain. You can make it from sugarcane, which is, you know, Australasia and that's fairly big, the islands, molasses. So lots of different bases, lots of different base spirits. Mm. So we looked at everything and we decided, like, well, we need a product people. Like, we're going to base this decision not on us but on blind tasting. So what I would do is prepare a lot of different spirits from our own creations to using bases from other people and just mixing and, and blending and filtering and, you know, trying different charcoals and all sorts of things. And then we would have these Friday sessions. We would have people in and I'd come round to the shed 
and it would be very social. But first thing I'd do, I'd put a piece of paper in their hand and we'd go, first thing you've got to do is you've got to run down this table of no more than eight products for that week. Right. And I'd give me comments or ask some specific questions and give me comments. And then it would just, you know, from there, it would just become a social uh, evening. But yeah. those six pages were Monday morning, I'd be sitting down looking at them and go, right, it'd be pointing me in a direction. I'd be pointing out things. It'd be things that I think I was tasting and not sure. And then I'd either get, you know, evaluation they're saying yes i'm on the right direction or no <laughs> that's not working right and that's how i that's how i developed it playing with different things and that's when i started realizing that what i was doing with water was having a huge effect and also every time i did that every time i changed component i'd have to change the filtration i'd have to change what i'm doing but yeah i just started narrowing it down on, on that basis talk to us about the water now you're using water from two different sites locations what is it about those two particular water sources that makes them stand out so again if you go back to industry norm it would be look you just simply if you came up through the industry it would be like look you use a a base distillate you're going to blend it back with water and you're probably going to strip that water back so it doesn't have any oil flavors so it doesn't have any complications to the product but what I thought is like, well, what if I leave products in that water? Now, we have some, you know, amazing water sources in New Zealand that um, are old. And so for they're picking up elements out of the ground that they're running through, which give them different attributes. Now, the problem with that is that, you know, you need a, a product to be shelf-stable between, you know, sitting in your freezer at minus 20 and sitting in your dashboard of your car at plus 40. See, I'm talking here. But right. so if you use a lot of, if you have too many compounds, you have, Stability issues. But if you manage to control those compounds in your water, if you can balance them, then they impart a flavour, they impart a mouthfeel, and they impart substance to your product. And then that's what I found. And then through our tasting process, we found that people loved the distillate that I was using coming from a whey source. So it was like, wow, people like that. They find it clean. They find that they like it. And then I started finding that I could craft behind that a background of using different minerals in the water that I could back that distillate in it. It would give it a smoothness with no other fillers. Mm. And then it just became a, a matter of fine-tuning that and then using a bit of a little bit of science in the university just to check you know, stability and, and what was happening and trying to evaluate exactly what I was tasting and, and sort of substantiate that with a bit of, you know, scientific understanding. And then that's sort of when I realised I was on something and we were we were down the path. So using the two sources is about introducing a mineral content, a very specific mineral content that is carefully managed and blending that with another water which has less, but just sort of um, um, supplements it and gives it a nice brood breathe width on the on the on the tongue that that backs into the way display very nicely now going back to 2009 when you were doing this way wouldn't have been a common base for vodka at that point what made you think to move away from grain and experiment with way it was a so so you know i think you know Vodka is historically probably made from the available start source in the country of manufacture. So, you know, obviously potatoes, 
grain, whatever you have. New Zealand has a lot of dairy. Yep. So New Zealand would be the pioneers of developing a whey base. So it was always there as an option. Right. And then, as I say, through just our blind tastings, it was very strong that people just picked up, they loved the cleanliness of it. So we thought, well, what a great, what a great source. I mean, and it's very New Zealand. It's very different. It's unique. Yeah. And it's a very, is a very, very clean source because there, there are very few other compounds in it. So you end up with a very clean product. So it made good sense. But having said that, when we went to the US, we didn't really focus on it, you know, as far as our speak when we were talking about the product. Yeah. And basically, you know, going to the bar, talking to people behind the bar, and then they would be looking at the bottle and talking about New Zealand and how they've been or they'd love to go. And then they'd say, so what do you make it from? And I'd go, well, make it from whey. And they'd, they'd be, what, whey? Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. And it was very quickly we just got response all the time. Pretty much two weeks later, jumped on a plane, came back to New Zealand, rewrote and reprinted all our marketing material and then went back over again and made way something that we, you know, out there and, and foremost in, in our marketing. It's like, let's speak to it. Let's talk about it because they're embracing. And I love that about the American market is that, you know, they're a lot more educated on their spirits than the New Zealand market and it was just great country to be able to sell to. Just love the way that they were open to it and embrace it. Where does the way actually come from? Are you collaborating with local dairy farmers or Yeah, it's it's part of a cooperative. So obviously, you know, a lot of dairy in New Zealand and the way comes from, you know, as a as a byproduct of milk production and cheese production, you have way. And and so this is where New Zealand helped pioneer this development to, you know, find a way and a yeast that will actually ferment that lactose and that milk sugar. And so what we do now is we utilise that cooperative of farmers um, and they make it to spec. And, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a growing and more well-used source. Uh, it's growing in... in, um, in all the time. Tell us a little bit about the distillation. Is it harder or easier to distill with whey than it is with grain, maybe? Uh, a little bit harder as far as the actual fermentation because it, it doesn't norm, it doesn't use a normal uh, yeast, it has a very specific yeast to be able to ferment the lactose uh, and create the ethanol for a start. As far as the distillation goes, the beauty of it is because it is so clean, because it has, a, you know, it has a high degree of purity with, as a as a raw product, that is actually quite easily to get a good clean distillate, you know. So it's a, a three step process and column batch distilled, and that leaves nuances. You know, you don't have to strip out too much. It leaves nuances of the original product in the final product which is what gives it that point of difference, gives it that taste profile. Now, if someone hasn't tasted a whey vodka before, you mentioned that it tastes very clean, but what else will they notice about the flavour? So it it does, it has a width to it, and it does have a couple of notes to it that are, uh, are a little bit more uh, specific. You do notice it on the nose a little bit. It's got that little bit of sort of a, butterscotch nose 
and that note come through when you first get it on your tone as well. And then there with our product, then the forward comes through as you start picking up in the minerals of the water. And that's what, you know, a lot of people talk about the broken shed being uh, creamy, <laughs> which is kind of interesting because sometimes I often think they say that because they know it's made out of whey or, <laughs> but that creaminess is that coming from the wood that you get associated with that creaminess. And that's actually a lot drawing off the minerals in the water. Right. You're using the tagline, the vodka of tomorrow, which is a very cute pun on the time difference between New Zealand and America. But on a more serious note, do you think that the sustainability of whey vodkas are very much the future? I do. And, you know, to be completely honest, that might not have been a focus or a real thought 10 years ago when we started this journey. But now, you know, that obviously we're all thinking about the ways we can minimise our impact. Yes, it is a point. I mean, we don't have to plant anything specific. We don't have to tie up land growing a product to produce the way. We are using a product that otherwise has to be dealt with. So we're taking a source that needs to be used we're converting it into a product without, you know, any any other environmental laws. And so what we're working on now is, is you know, as a business, as a company, we are following that up with bringing more consciously sustainable decision points as far as, you know, packaging, as far as the way that we, any input that we can have a, an option to be able to tweak and, and have a more sustainable footprint. How important do you think that is for liquor brands at the moment? I think it's important for any brand. I think having that sustainable element. Yeah, I think it's important for any brand. I think we're all becoming conscious of it as consumers. And I think that, you know, it's important just to be honest with where you are. I think people appreciate that, you know, there are different products have different challenges as to be able to meet what people perceive as sustainability. But First and foremost, what people want to know is that, you know, hand on heart, the people driving that business take it seriously and, and are doing their best to make changes because I think that's what the individuals are doing. We're all trying to do that is to make informed choices in the right movement and manufacturers have to do the same. So uh, I think it's just, you know, it's part and parcel of, of, of mapping your future. Now, talk to us a little bit about the filtration. So the filtration was developed in particular form around the product. I think every vodka manufacturer tends to have their own preferred method and some people, you know, make a point about the filtration. I don't think there's anything particularly tricky about it. It's just simply to come up with a mythology that suits your product to make sure you're stripping out anything that you need or what you want out of your product, depending on the, on the makeup of it. So it's more, you know, there's no skill in it at now. We just have a, a step, a procedure to follow, which, you know, does its job. The the key part for us is, is too, but, but, you know, apart from the distillate, is also that the blending of the water. That's the, that's the trip for us, and that's the part that you just need to keep on top of every batch that you produce. Now, there's a lot of controversy over whether vodka does have flavour, but you've pointed out that Broken Shed very much does have a subtle flavour to it, 
Where do you think that comes from? More the water or the way? I actually believe it's very much the two working in conjunction. Okay. Way, as I said, because it's such a clean product, the distillate has, has nuances of the original product in there, little flavour notes in it, and the water backs it up. It does have a taste profile of its own. I mean, I blend the two waters and taste off the two waters before I even bring the distillate together with them. And, you know, it's very detectable. So they both work in conjunction. There are, there are notes to do with the distillate and there are flavour notes that come through from the water. So they're both just as important. Okay. Now, you mentioned earlier that a lot of people uh, have mentioned a creaminess to the vodka. Considering that, what cocktails do you believe it works best in? I think simple is better. Less is more. I think when it comes to broken shed, I think you can taste it straight. You can taste it just over ice. You can taste the difference. So simple things are you know preferred choice as far as I'm concerned. So like you know just simple nice dry martinis with maybe a a, um, a twist in it and subtle infusions that just give it a, another little note of difference, something different. So yeah, simple drinks like that. Uh, are really, I think, where where it stands alone. Now, does the brand have a signature serve? I would, you know, I probably the marketing team would say yes, right, <laughs> and I should probably know that. But you know, if somebody asked me, it would be to me. I would say, you know, dry martini with a flamed orange twist. That should be our signature serve. That showcases the product and just gives it a nice little flair on the end. Now, I imagine you've put the vodka in front of a fair number of bartenders over the years. What are some of the more unusual cocktails that they've been able to make with Broken Shed? Oh, that's an interesting one. One of the most, uh, one that really caught me off in the early days, and it got me on, into doing a lot of infusions myself. So he had done some infusions and made me a martini based with an infusion and was trying to get me to pick the flavour. And I couldn't get it. It was smoked bacon. Really? And it was just, it was fantastic. It was just that sort of a, sort of, yeah, a smoked bacon infusion uh, made into a martini. Yeah. And that really, that's what put me down the track on doing infusions. And that's why I still love that side of it. Little herbaceous notes that you could add and have fun with and always changing and always thinking of something new. Now, speaking of thinking of something new, what are you guys concentrating on at the moment? Really, the business is focused just on on growth at this stage. You know, we've got a fantastic team in the USA. And for me, it's just about trying to keep up with the production and grow the business as we get out to a wider and wider field. And at the same time, you know, looking at the steps forward and what we touched on before is just addressing the sustainability uh, issues and, and steps that we can take as a business to make a more sustainable and, and informed choice. So, yeah, some packaging developments that we're working on, but we do no other product. We're, we're not interested in flavours. We're not interested in gins. We're just sticking to what we do and just keeping and getting it out there and into an appreciative uh, market. Now, obviously, the vodka is available across New Zealand. How far across the US have you managed to get? So we're in 26 states at the moment which is really taken off probably in about the last four years so 
five, six years ago, we were still in three states. So, yeah, quite a big growth in the last four or five years. 26 states now and just moving into Florida at the moment. We have some distribution across in Australia. And we did do, I did do some work in, in Southeast Asia and Singapore and other markets in the early days. And we're just reconnecting with that market at the moment and um, looking to get back into that market as well. Are you available anywhere else, uh, Europe or? No, no, not, not at this stage in Europe. We did have a little bit of a, a play in the market, but we, we quickly worked that it was just keep focusing on the US, keep plugging away at that market. But yeah, it's on, it is definitely on the agenda. So at some stage, we will look at, at getting back into Europe. There's some interest certainly from European and, and from the UK. So, yeah, I would imagine in the next sort of 18 months to two years, we would probably start entering those markets as well. What is it that you want people to take away from their experience with Broken Shed? I think just the fact that it's a, it's a product that we've spent a lot of time and effort and that we're proud of. It's a product that is, I think, is just pretty honest what it is it's a simple product but it's good we spend time and effort to put together to make sure that it's consistent and i think most people that become followers of broken shed appreciate that that it's it comes from sustainable good clean source and there's a business behind it that's just done the right thing as far as keeping it simple and just producing a top quality product hopefully at a approachable price that most people can enjoy now, obviously, if people want more information on Broken Shed, they can go to your website, which is brokenshed.com, or connect with the brand via your socials. Absolutely. That's correct. Yes, so on Instagram, we're available at Broken Shed. So any queries, you can get a hold of us um, directly through there. Excellent. Well, look, thank you, Mark, for taking the time to speak to us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And we'd also like to thank you for listening. Be sure to visit cocktailstosteal.com to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.